Helpful advice regarding a tax situation that continues to vex many operators. From the National Business Aviation Association, this is Flight Plan. I'm Rob Finfrock with your trusted source for the very latest business aviation news and information. Many flight departments grapple with the financial complexities and implications that come with operating a business aircraft. And one of the most common areas of confusion for operators, and others in our industry, involves the matter of federal excise tax, or FET. Joining me now are two members of the NBAA Tax Committee to make some sense of these issues. Committee member Melissa Stanley is a partner at Barbera and Watkins, and Committee Vice Chair Ryan Damore is Head of Aviation Tax for MySky. And Melissa, before we delve into why operators can so easily run afoul of FET regulations, what is federal excise tax? Federal excise tax is generally a 7.5% tax on amounts paid for um, air transportation. There's also a per passenger segment fee, which is currently for $4.80 per passenger per leg, but it generally applies to domestic segments, and there's also an international head tax and specific provisions relating to Alaska and Hawaii. It applies to anyone providing air transportation. I think everybody thinks of it as commercial air carriers and charter providers, but it also can apply to Part 91 operators um, if there's amount paid for air transportation. Ryan, I believe there have been some changes recently to how this tax is applied. So uh, under the Tax Cut and Jobs Act, we did actually get a few changes made to uh, 4261, which is the IRS code that deals with federal excise taxes for airplanes. We don't have really time to to dig deeply, but essentially the rule change that was implemented was the fact that owners of aircraft do not have to pay FET when leasing their own airplane. And so there was a lot of structuring that was done with different entities. And the most prevalent was in the management company scenario where you were utilizing a management company to operate your aircraft for you to where the owners historically may or may not have had to uh, pay FET based on what part of the FAA rules they were flying under. So part 135, part 91, And this always caused a little bit of an issue from a safety standpoint in that sense. And so with the change, owners of aircraft, irrespective of the FAR part that they are operating under, no longer have to pay FET. And so that was a big win for safety. Indeed. Are there any other changes on the horizon that business aircraft owners should be aware of? Yeah, so there's been an ongoing issue in the business aviation world, and it is one the NBAA Tax Committee has sort of moved to the top of the list of items that we are looking at, and that's the charter broker slash operator and who actually is ultimately responsible for paying the FET. The regulations are very gray surrounding ultimately who is responsible for the federal excise tax payment in a situation where a broker is involved and a different operator is involved. And so we are, as a committee, trying to meet and figure out how to best make sure that all stakeholders are operating the same and that everybody's sort of happy with a potential solution. But we definitely want to make sure that everyone is aware of who is actually liable and make it equitable for all parties involved. This is a really complex area, and it's different from income tax. 
I had never seen federal excise tax until I started working in aviation. And so there are nuances for federal excise tax that require a different analysis. And so it's one of those things that you really do want to make sure you have somebody who knows what they're doing help you with this. What you do for income tax purposes and for accounting purposes and for legal liability purposes are different a lot of times than what you would do for FET purposes. So it's, again, something to plan for. Coming up, we'll delve into a few examples of situations that operators need to look out for. But first, this quick message from NBAA. NBAA Flight Plan listeners, are you getting recognized for your leadership? NBAA now offers certificates and other credentials in safety, sustainability, and more. Visit nbaa.org to apply today. We're back now with Ryan Damore and Melissa Stanley and our conversation about federal excise tax for business aviation operations. Melissa, what's one example of a scenario in which an operator may end up owing FET but not realize it? So there is a provision in the regulations that essentially says that entities that are disregarded for federal income tax purposes are regarded for federal excise tax purposes. What that means is when you have payments between disregarded entities, it's taking it from the right-hand pocket to your left-hand pocket. It's a non-event for federal income tax purposes when it's disregarded. But when you're making that same payment, you may have incurred, you're going from a regarded taxpayer to a second regarded entity. So there may be federal excise tax on payments that you don't even think about for federal income tax purposes. What distinguishes a disregarded entity from a regarded entity or taxpayer, Melissa? From a tax perspective, if you have like a parent company and multiple subsidiaries that are separate entities and they're disregarded, when you do your tax return for federal income tax purposes, everything is treated like one big company. You don't do anything. It's one big company. It's all disregarded. It's all one taxpayer. But what has happened is for federal excise tax purposes, each of those separate companies are separate entities and they're they're regarded. They're there and payments between them have implications. Whereas if it's all one, one big taxpayer, for income tax purposes, you don't even account for it. But for excise tax purposes, you do. Gotcha. Ryan, what's another situation where FET comes into play, but an operator may not think about it? There's a faulty assumption out there that FET is only for Part 135. It is not. There are situations under Part 91 where FET might be due. So if money is changing hands, and in that situation, the most common that we see are a timeshare agreement between a company and, and its executive, oftentimes Companies will have timeshare agreements with their executives to help reduce SEC amounts or to just allow them to pay back a bit. But though that is actually a transaction that is occurring that does incur FET. In the same way, we've got the Nichols opinion treated very similarly. And then also demo flights under 91501. So basically, there's a list of, of different flight activities and so on under 91501 that talk about There are exceptions to Part 91 that do allow some limited reimbursement. Well, as that reimbursement is occurring, it does incur FET. So if you're doing a timeshare, a demo flight, an interchange, 
uh, Nichols flight, anything of that nature, the alarm bell should be going off in your head that, hey, by the way, we should be paying FET on this. One other one that I will quickly point out as well with next year, probably going to see a bit of a rise in political flights that are going to be occurring. Same thing. So the F91321 does basically say when the Federal Election Commission laws and the FAA laws are not in agreement with each other, the Federal Election Commission wins and therefore political candidates can reimburse for flights. But same thing there. Essentially, money's changing hands, so therefore that flight does incur FET. Ryan, you and Melissa will be highlighting these and other potential gotchas with FET at the upcoming NBAA Business Aviation Taxes Seminar, taking place June 8th in Chicago, Illinois. Can you tell us more about that session? The definition itself between the IRS and the FAA is different. And so we're going to dig in a bit during the session into what does the IRS define as commercial and what does the FAA define as commercial. There are two federal agencies. Why don't they just use the same definition for the term commercial, but they don't. And so keep in mind that for us on the IRS side, if money is changing hands from one entity to another, there very likely is going to be FET. When you look at FET, a lot of times you'll also have to look at the specific exemptions. And for example, the affiliated group exemption or the management exemption where the owner has a specific exemption. And you have to think about those because they're very narrow. And so who's part of an affiliated group? You have to look at it closely because, you know, you may have arguments if in that disregarded entity or the parent company with disregarded entities underneath it, that parent company is a C corp or an S corp. You have different arguments than if that parent company is a partnership or an individual. And so you want to look at the payments and who's paying and how it's being paid and make sure that it fits in it. And then for the owner, if a sister company is making payments and that sister company is not an owner, those payments may not meet the management company exemption. So you, you need to really look at who's paying and what exemption applies and make sure that you plan for it and that it actually comes to fruition because you don't want to have to go to your CEO and say, hey, we have to get seven and a half percent on amounts paid because the wrong entity paid these bills. So I think that's a, a separate gotcha. This sounds like an environment full of potential gotchas. So it's fortunate to have you and Ryan to help explain the nuances. What other advice would you like to share, Melissa? I think any time that you move money to pay for aircraft operations, whether those operations are 91, 135, whether that money moving is a reimbursement, a capital contributions, related entity allocations, you, you need to remember to do the FET analysis. Because of the disregarded, regarded issue, it is a different analysis for FET purposes than it is for income tax purposes. So you really want to do that anytime money is moving for aircraft operations. And as Melissa emphasized earlier, Ryan, hiring a professional can help flight operations sort through FET issues and ensure they don't run afoul of the IRS. I'll put it this way. I'm a tax guy. I don't do my own personal taxes. I'm not an expert in personal income taxes. I have and hire someone who is an expert in personal income taxes to do my taxes for that very reason. He or she will know those laws better than anybody else and therefore can do that. So hire qualified advisors. And also one other point on that is when you do, oftentimes you're going to get great advice in structuring and getting everything set up. 
the common mistake there is once you set it up, then everything continues to move forward and then things start to change. And so going back and revisiting that structure on a regular basis. So not only hiring advisors to help you set up the structure, but then also having people who can kind of hold your hand, if you will, through the operation itself is always a good idea. And then making sure that on a regular basis, you're reviewing everything so that you don't end up stepping in one of these traps by accident. Like maybe, you know, one company sells to another company and now the disregarded, regarded entity thing comes into play that wasn't there when you originally made your plan. So always remember, set up the structure, operate with someone, hire qualified advisors and review, review, review. There's a lot of different issues with FET that we've kind of touched on already, and we're happy to be talking about them in June at the Business Aviation Taxes Seminar. It's an ongoing thing, and if there are people out there that are having issues with it, use the NBAA Tax Committee as a resource as well. We're always able to not necessarily offer advice, but uh, answer your questions. And if you're having particular issues that should be brought up, please bring them to our attention so we can dig further. Going back to sort of the charter broker issue, right? We've had a lot of people contact us about, hey, what does this look like? Who's ultimately responsible? What do the regs say? That's how these rules ultimately get changed. So if there's something going on that you're not necessarily comfortable with, or you know the rules, you don't like them, those types of things, please bring it to the tax committee's attention so that we can stack it in the list of things that we need to cover. You can learn more about the NBAA Business Aviation Taxes Seminar at nbaa.org forward slash tax seminar. And for more information on federal excise tax matters and business aviation, visit nbaa.org forward slash FET. And that's the latest from the National Business Aviation Association. Remember, you can subscribe to all Flight Plan episodes at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts, including by asking your virtual assistant or connected device. Of course, you can also download Flight Plan directly from nbaa.org. I'm Rob Finfrock. Thanks for listening, and be sure to join us next time for a new episode of Flight Plan. Uh, we got him inside. We're still in fact, 170.